up the word uh, anthropologist in the dictionary, uh, Richard Leakey's picture is actually next to it. And, uh, uh, and it's a great honor to have you here today. Can you talk about Africa and uh, wildlife species in Africa and the impact which climate change uh, is having uh, on those species? Yes, <clears throat> thank you. Um, I think the first thing I'd like to comment on is that climate change <clears throat> is not a new phenomenon. In fact, had there not been climate change from the beginning of time in terms of life, life wouldn't have changed through evolution and we wouldn't be here. Climate change is, 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 is a characteristic of this planet, but never before has climate change uh, been apparently as rapid as it is now appearing to be. And the, the issues are, I think, broken into two parts. Can we um, survive if we do not take steps to mitigate the accelerating or the acceleration of this process? It's rather like the analogy of a, a vehicle or a train that has left its station, is starting to roll. It, it's, it's going to hit something, and does it hit it at 50 miles an hour where there's a possibility that you can uh, survive? Can we get the brakes on and hit it at 40 or, or, or 30? Or is it going to roll completely out of control and hit it at 100 with, with no survivors? And, and I think, let us not be mistaken that we can, we can stop this process now, even if we did all of the things that we think are necessary. We, we are committed, or you are committed, to live in a world that is going to be very different from the world that we're living in today. And that, I think you have to accept that. The, the recommendations for, 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 for steps to slow down the process are really recommendations that will make a difference to the survival or non-survival of many species, many systems that support life, and possibly make a difference to the survival of our own species, perceived as a species rather than a community living in, in, in Washington, D.C., or Seattle, or Tokyo, or Nairobi. And I think we need to think of ourselves as a species, or I would like to put across my position, not as, as a citizen of America or a citizen of Kenya, but as a citizen of the world, as a representative of Homo sapiens that has a reasonably respectable prehistory. Uh, we have the prehistory of the world to look at. Climate change, global warming, uh, ice ages, all of these things can now be looked at on the basis of very good scientific data. And we can have a pretty good guess as to what is likely to happen. It's, it's not a new phenomenon. Um, and, and the last major climate change that affected our species was, as Sylvia said, about 10,000 years ago, when the ice ages, as it were, came to an end. It's been getting progressively warmer since, but it is only during the last 10,000 years that we were forced to adapt to domestication of animals, and the domestication of plants and the origins of civilization. Civilization and the domestication process is a product of climate change that happened dramatically. The last time it happened dramatically, about 10,000 years ago. <coughs> With regards to, to wildlife, my own experience is in Kenya. I'm, I'm a citizen of Kenya. I, I can look at the African picture, which is a tropical picture. And I think what we have, have, have got to recognize is that there's a certain sense of, of comfort. Um, we're somewhat sanguine and feel good about the fact that we've created 50 to 100 years ago a series of 
national parks and protected areas. These were sort of larders or banks where biodiversity could be looked after. And even if it disappeared in other places, at least we had big natural ecosystems that we could say, well, look, at least we've preserved this much. And countries boast about the number of protected areas that they have. When these national parks were created, there was, there was very little recognition of the fact that they were not self-contained ecological units. They were national parks that were specifically protected, but they were themselves sitting, in most cases, in areas that had biodiversity, fairly rich biodiversity, around them. So there were buffer zones, and there was a, there was a softening of the edges. Today, if you look at the picture, the majority of protected areas in Africa, but not just Africa, around the world, have become islands. Islands where biodiversity is protected within, but outside, agriculture, human settlement, uh, different land use patterns have been uh, developed, have been advanced, have been accelerated to support the rapidly growing human population. And the possibility of movement in and out of these protected areas is increasingly disappearing. And the Nature Conservancy, I think, recognizes this and, and plays a very important role, although largely uh, in, in, in this part of the world, uh, we are not adopting that recognition in, in other parts of the world. But if you look at prehistory, and if you look at the impact of, of significant climate change in the past, island populations, under stress of climate change, become extinct very quickly. The possibility of continental extinction was not such a factor or major factor in the past, although there are obviously cases where it happened. But island populations affected by climate change are very dramatic in terms of what happens. And I believe that a very large number of our national parks have become islands. And if climate continues to change at the rate that is changing, whether it is desertification, as it appears likely in many of the savanna areas, or whether it, it leads to far greater precipitation and, and greater rainfall, the re response of the vegetation, the response of the food chains will be such that species that are confined on these islands will find it almost impossible to survive. And you will get a series of extinction episodes in areas that were set aside to prevent that happening. And we may have gone into a trap with the best intentions of the world. Now, what can we do about this? I think there are two issues. I think there are steps to mitigate. I think the steps that, that we have already talked about, that the need to cut down carbon emissions, uh, these are all very valid and will, will make a huge difference in the longer term. In the shorter term, I think we have to make adaptive responses. We have to recognize that our national park systems that protect biodiversity, whether it's elephants or whether it's uh, species of, of, of plants or whether or it's... Uh, Fish, indeed. <laughs> it, 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 it is, I was saying to Sylvia, unfortunately she's ruined my diet with the things she's, she's talked about. But, but, but we, we, we have to recognize that the units they're contained in are not viable in most cases. Can we extend, can we swap land for other land? Can we create corridors? Can we give some possibility of species being able to move in response to climate change? Can they go from low altitude to slightly higher altitude? Can they go from higher altitude to lower altitude? Can we use our knowledge of ecology to turn this thing into something that can be managed? And I think there is a huge opportunity in terms of, of the next decade 
to think through some of the consequences of this climate change issue. I believe if we don't, and I believe to a certain extent even if we do, large swathes of wonderful African wildlife, fauna and flora are doomed to extinction within the lifetime of your generation as students. If we do something about it, we may save a lot of it. How much? I'm not sure. But there have to be some very dramatic shifts in our thinking. And the one thing we cannot afford at all is a continuing state of denial. Arguments about whose fault it is. It really doesn't matter a damn whose fault it is. What matters is doing something about it. Climate change hit the world many times. Thank you. Climate change before affected a million people, maybe less. We're today six going 10 billion people. We talk about issues of security. We talk about the, the problems facing the US. What happens if there's a billion people on the run when the sea level rises a meter? A billion people. Who's going to be secure in those circumstances in the comfort of DC or Seattle or Tokyo? Think about it. You can do something. I believe. Thank you.